The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Visit him at processrealtor.com and the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter, which comes out Thursdays, Stateside Urban Craft Vodka from right here in Philly. Get some at statesidevodka.com. On the show today... Sixers have been disrespected, not playing on Christmas or national TV for all the first three days of the season. Everyone reported to camp seems to be in a great mood. We will hit the mailbag as well as discuss the big trade that just happened in the NBA. Boy, I'm glad that we're not involved in a trade like that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but before we get going, I mentioned the sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter, is stateside vodka i i don't know if they have any left but if they do they do a black label bourbon i think once in a while and it was on sale last week and uh they sent me some of it and it is fucking great i'm a it's I'm good a, i had some too. I'm it's a, good uh, it's i'm a bourbon guy and it's it's good man it's good they do it well uh the vodka which is their specialty also they do well distilled seven times gluten-free kosher carb-free sugar-free fucking delicious made right here in philly uh, you can get it delivered anywhere in PA or pick it up curbside by going to statesidevodka.com or uh, they have it at my local uh, PA, local wine and spirit stores. They have it in most of those and then in Jersey, Delaware, all the uh, surrounding states and their liquor stores as well. Statesidevodka.com. Sign up for the Corner 3 newsletter at rightstrickysanchez.com slash newsletter. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who doesn't have this podcast anywhere near his most listened to things on Spotify this year, Mike Levin. I don't even subscribe. Wouldn't touch it. No, I do subscribe. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I subscribe I listen, to I click, I, click th- I click through. I'm like, this is what I sound like. I'm not interested. And I have to remind myself every time that... Uh, you know, my podcast is not for me, you know? Well, I have I occasionally get the warning both on my laptop, on my phone. Hey, you haven't listened to this in a while. Are you sure you still, like, want to subscribe to it or whatever? <laughs> Are you sure you still want to do two podcasts a week? Yeah. <laughs> the, the So at the end of each year, uh, Spotify makes you this thing, and it shows you the uh, the bands you've listened to the most, the songs you listen to the most, and obviously the podcast you listen to the most. I don't listen to the podcast on Spotify, but a lot of people do. And, you know, we saw a lot of, I appreciate people tweeting out and Instagramming how, like, that we were their number one podcast. But some of the numbers 
the minutes and the number of podcasts people have listened to in the last year. One guy, I, I, I'll find him and give him credit. 114 episodes. Mike, we haven't done 114 episodes this year. It means the number that we do was not enough for him. So he went back to other ones. It feels like more. Let me just say <laughs> that at least 214. Uh, I saw a lot of 90s out there. I appreciate that. I appreciate the 60s. Um, Big Prison Mike said he would have had more, but uh, he has switched to YouTube. He watches it on YouTube. So we have some people who have switched to YouTube. I'm going to try. Those people are are the most the have the most illness. Yeah, in the, all the sorts sickest. of ways. Yeah, they have to Just watch watching, watching me sort of like rub my face. <laughs> This is the least dynamic I've ever been. I don't even have it up. I don't want to look at myself and you're looking at me. Uh, God bless you. Charlie Wigington listened to 94 episodes this year. And then Ned, at Nedster26 on Twitter, 114 episodes and 9,494 minutes of Ricky this year. So I'm honored and just fucking terribly disturbed. Terribly disturbed. I'm around myself all the time and I hate it. Yeah, it's and more than you enough. You guys choosing to do it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Very nice. We love you guys. I'm very appreciate. How about it. this trade, huh? I know. So uh, the Houston Rockets send Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a first round pick. I didn't see what the pick was. It I, is protected 2023. Protected. First round pick 2023. Oh, okay. It doesn't say what the protection is. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know what the point of it is for. I, I, I can actually understand the point of it. I'm a John Wall guy. I was always a John Wall guy. But even Andrew Sharp, who is a John Wall guy, has told me, maybe you shouldn't be a John Wall guy anymore. Like there's there's a lot of bad signs there. I could understand why the Wizards would do it because at least they have a functional player in Russell Westbrook. And there's no guarantee that John Wall is even a functional player. I can't understand why Houston would do it if the I, I suppose the only way is that they're the only ones who would trade you anything for Russell Westbrook and he demanded to get out. Is that it? I th I think so. Yeah, I think uh, they, for whatever reason, whether it's personality wise or just on the court, thought there was a ceiling. Determined that Russ and Harden wasn't going to do it. I, I just think that there's we're still like in the middle of a you know building coming down. And it's just like coming down in like different parts. Different parts of the building are getting just exploded at once. Houston, so Houston being the building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a. I mean, John Wall hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, a couple like, years. In yeah. a long, long time. Alyssa pays attention to the NBA a lot, and and granted, has paid attention more the past few years. But when I told her about this trade, she didn't know who John Wall was. And it's like <laughs> that's that's like. Not to say that this is not making fun of Alyssa at all, but it's just like it's been a while, man. He has not yeah. been relevant in a in a pretty long time, yeah. and I think that it's like the league has changed since he's been gone. Like he was in a coma for a decade. It's it's very odd. Uh, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, I think, is more interesting, and the Wizards have now just have like a real, you know, they have Davis Bertans. I think they'll probably make the playoffs, or at least they're positioned to. Maybe. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, now that it's a 10-seeded 10, 10 playoffs, yeah, because yeah, the 7, yeah. 8, 9, yeah, 10 yeah. Uh, seeds get to do in a playoff, I think they'll probably position themselves well for that. They at least have a little more certainty with Westbrook in that, like, wall, who knows how he looks um, after this injury, these injuries. Um, and maybe maybe the Rockets are just like, we're going to play out the string, and eventually someone's going to blow us down with a James Harden trade. That's kind of what it feels like at this point. And then we'll have... D- drowning in alcohol, John Wall with however many knees he has left. Is it a knee injury? I can't even remember. But I would guess he has two knees still. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, who knows? Well, congratulations, Rockets and Wizards, for just the most depressing trade of yeah. the NBA season, right? It is the most amount of money that's ever been traded in a, in a trade where no one's happy at all. Just like everyone's just shrugging loudly as just like billions of dollars are getting just strewn all over the streets. It's, it is hilarious that you have two players who are making – are the salaries top both top five in the NBA? I know Westbrook's probably is. He's, Something like that. About, about that. Probably yeah. top ten. Is it, oh, like one's at 40 – like around $40 million at, at some point. And look, no, like, there's – I know we, there are problems here, but – I guess my point being, here are two players that literally almost nobody wants that are getting mm-hmm. paid as much money as you can possibly pay anybody. Uh, it's just, it's really incredible. I mean, and the owners set up all of these protections from themselves, like, you know, like all these things to prevent them from doing just the worst mm-hmm. things possible. And you just still, <laughs> you still, they do. It is so bizarre how, how that is the case. Like the Tobias Harris contract that the Sixers signed made him immediately, nothing's untradeable as these deals are showing. You're not, you're usually not trading stuff, un, untradeable contracts for like good things, mm-hmm. but you can do it if you need to do it. Um, but it's amazing how quickly it's like, well, we have to do this thing. And it's like immediately this contract is poison. Like right. the Gordon Hayward contract in Charlotte might be, I, I think it's fine now. What else were they going to get kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But uh, in a year, in three months, it might just be like, oh, that thing is going to be forever. And they having just come off the Nick Batum thing where when they signed him to that, it was like, that's horrible. What do you do? It's, it's amazing how... A good player, mm-hmm. if signed to a horrendous contract, becomes, you know, worse value than like Korkmaz at the minimum. Like it's amazing how quickly that happens. So the number one salary in the NBA, I, I didn't see what LeBron signed for. Um, I assume he is now number one. But prior to the LeBron signing, Curry was number one at 43 million six thousand. Tied for number two with Chris Paul is Russell Westbrook at 41 million. 358,000. And then number four, right behind Russell Westbrook. They're literally right behind there. Uh, uh, John Wall is making $100,000 less than Russell Westbrook. So they're both making $41 million this year each. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite a bit. Oh it, does, it does open up. I think, I think if, you're, if you're the Sixers and you're looking at either Harden or Beal, it does start to Open that up if, is it like this, if either of these things go sour quickly, which they probably will. Yeah. It does, uh, does open those doors. Yeah, Bradley Beal's not going to like playing with Russell Westbrook. There's just no way. And, and honestly, Tobias Harris at the 15th highest played player, I don't know. It doesn't feel quite as bad anymore <laughs> at $34 million. 
So speaking mm. of our Sixers, uh, oh, by the way, I have to, you all appreciate this one, the second part, most uh, most notably, the uh, Apple, the five-star Apple, the app, five-star Apple podcast review of the week. We're at 2,793. Uh, the subject line is representation matters. Jewish Philadelphia sports fans who subconsciously look down on Eagles fans. Nice to see some representation of that in art. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you look down on Eagles fans. I don't. No, I, th- I think I, I think uh, people in of our ilk, uh, uh, our community, I think may may look down on. Like I think the original process, people probably look down on every other fan. Hmm. I don't look down on Eagles fans at, at all. You know, I, I think I mean we are Eagles fans, so it's yes, hard to. Yeah. Yes. I uh, mean, I look down on people. That I think are stupid. That you look down on the the guys who fought John Wall or John uh, uh, John Wall, Mike Scott. You don't look down on Eagles fans. Sure, yeah, right. You know what and I mean? Idiots. Like, they happen to be Eagles fans, but there's a lot of yeah. idiots. And well, there's a lot plenty of, of dumb Sixers fans too. Yeah, for sure. Tons, tons. And I and we are dumb Sixers fans just in a different way. Yeah, in a dumb way that I respect. Yes, and that people are listening to 9,000 minutes of. So the part, the schedule has not come out. I guess the first half of the schedule is coming out on Friday or something like that. I, I'm trying to get Sixers Adam to do a prediction for each game of the schedule when the whole schedule comes out. So call all 72 games. I, I'm, I'm close. I'm almost there on it. But we did get the opening uh, two nights and then Christmas Day schedule. No Sixers. On December 22nd, national TV, uh, December 23rd, national TV, or Christmas. Completely disrespected on Christmas. Nets getting two national games. The Warriors getting two national games. Celtics getting two national games. Lakers getting two national games. And here are the two most insulting ones to me. Phoenix is playing Wednesday, December 23rd. And then, the, yeah. and then the Pelicans on Christmas, the noon Hell game. yeah. <laughs> My sons and pals. They can't be your sons. You don't like Devin Booker. They're your pals. They can't be your sons. I, I have ties to the Valley. I, 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 I claim. <laughs> I have ties to the Valley. Jerry is there. Mikael Bridges is there. <laughs> Jerry Colangelo. No. He's, in, he's not in the picture. <laughs> uh, so it is, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised. I... Uh, I don't care, obviously. I I just, I think it is, and maybe it's good, but it does show, uh, it is a little bit of a reality check about how bad last year was, I think, to not sneak into any of these games, given the the high profile of the last couple of years. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I love it. Don't give me any national TVs. Honestly, don't televise them at all. Don't need to see it. Box scores. Read the box scores. Box scores. It's only league pass. You have to have like a special code mm-hmm. to deal with it. Let's just go under the radar. Let's not make any noise. More to, no, no talking to the press. Just like hang out with each other. Enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Maybe a nice old vintage red <laughs> bottle of wine. Well, Curl up by the fire in the winter. Yeah, I mean, I I truly, I don't know. If they need this to be bulletin board material, then like absolutely great. Take it. I think the Sixers are going to be a, a tremendously more watchable team than they were last year. Um, they would have to be. 
Yeah. Uh, By the way, on the bulletin board, all they should have are the box scores of the fucking first round of the playoffs last year. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the bulletin board material. Al, Al Horford mid clap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there you go. No. And look, uh, free to enjoy Christmas basketball without any, you know, uh, aggravation. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, if they weren't televised at all, which I think we should start campaigning for, I, I was talking to John Marks a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about when, like, <laughs> prior to the internet, I, w- I would wake up in the morning, get the newspaper, and read every baseball box score, like each one, to see how every player did. Somehow I enjoyed sports a lot more then when I was not watching as much of them. So maybe just getting up and reading the box score would be, you know, how many times last year did Joel Embiid go for 28 and 12 and we got on this podcast and we were like, turned it over, passing out of double teams. I don't know. He completely disappeared in the second quarter. All these things. But if we just read the box score, it would be like 28 and 12. This guy's going to the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Be Way great. better. That's why yeah. I enjoy minor league baseball so much. Yeah, because you're not watching. It's the best. Yeah, great hats, it. great logos. You don't have to watch. Uh, did you know that the last I was talking, I was texting with uh, our friend Mike Weber today. Mm-hmm. Um do you know the last – I was trying to think the last Sixers player that they drafted hmm. who played his full rookie contract here without missing a year the way Simmons or Embiid did or multiple people or had like a – you know, Dario is a guy who didn't come over right away. Just like a regular – they drafted him and he played – like actually played in all four years as like – doesn't have to be a starter or anything, but played real regular minutes like Shake. Shake's rookie season, he played whatever a couple games, and it was mostly not there. That doesn't count. But like, who's who here and played for their holy rookie contract here? Thaddeus Young. It was so just that's he's the second to most recent. Drew is the one. He, okay. he was here for all yeah. four years of his rookie contract, and then was traded. Okay, yeah, uh, and he uh, he was also. I was actually thinking about that team. I was was it Lou Williams? Was it so? Yeah, right. Evan Evan Turner got traded midway through his fourth season, so close. Congratulations, yeah, I mean, by the way, to Evan Turner, yes, assistant great. now now a uh, a coworker of uh, the Ricky's own Jerome Allen, as he is an assistant coach. I think he'll be a great assistant coach. Honestly, he players seem to really like Evan Turner, and, and they didn't at first. No, but he became self aware, and I think everyone got yeah. used to him. And yeah. uh, the other thing is, like, he's sort of the perfect guy to be a, a development coach in that. His physical gifts were pretty meager. He ended up with a longish career, a great college career. And those are the players that end up being great coaches. It's not the it's not the superstar players that end up being great coaches. It's the guys that, you know, made the most out of what they could. And it seems like he wants to coach if he's retiring this year, because he could certainly get paid to play for a little bit longer. So Well, in my in my mind, it's weird that he would become a, an assistant coach when you don't even really need a coach. Like the NBA is phasing out coaches if you talk to Kyrie. And oh. so why would they yeah. even <laughs> yeah. it's like a dying business. It's right. gone. Like go go like, you know, write for a newspaper, Ev. Um so the uh actually before we get to the the training camp quotes, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some uh of the first the first press availabilities. So we have some quotes from some players and a coach. I'm going to read the quote. You're going to tell me whether you believe it or don't believe it, true or untrue. But before that, um, 
you're actually going to be particularly interested in the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook talk today because there's a little college basketball in there. So I'm going to ask you because I don't I don't fucking know the answer. I did get I hadn't played. You know, we don't talk about the casino very much anymore because there is sports. When we were talking about DraftKings before there were sports, I did have a good. I hadn't played blackjack in the DraftKings casino for weeks and weeks. I swore it off for a little while the other night. Nice run. I had a nice run in in uh, in DraftKings blackjack. But um, college basketball, a huge matchup this weekend. Gonzaga and Baylor. I am told, at least from the the commercial copy, that this could be like these could be these are two teams that could be ranked number one. Gonzaga is ranked one right now. Baylor is, I think, three or two or three. Um, yeah, and there's also Baylor Illinois happening tonight in a couple hours that I'm excited to watch. Some good, some. This is it's weird. It's weird to go to get back into college basketball, but I'm I'm very excited. Draft is over. We're in. So you ask me who's going to win? College yeah, well, I'm I'm, get, I'm actually Baylor. I'm trying to look up the line, but I, maybe the line won't be there until. Um, until tonight's game is wait 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 holy here we go is it Saturday or Sunday do you know Gonzaga or Baylor? Uh, I don't see Sounds it. Sounds like a Saturday. Yeah, I don't think the line's there yet. So who's going to win, Gonzaga or Baylor? Um, I would say Gonzaga. Baylor is a little. They lost Freddie Gillespie inside, so they're a little uh, thin inside. They have a they have a very like chunky guy that I think you might like. In um, oh, what's his name? Oh no! What's his name? Um, Is he a chunky guard? I haven't watched him play this year. They only played two games. Um, he's kind of he's like a six-five, chunky boy. Um, his name Mark what? Vidal. Okay. Um, guy's a man, uh, and so he will. He's definitely like a PJ Tucker shaped, but probably chunkier. Okay. Um, and they have a guy named Jared Butler who I like a lot. But I think I think Gonzaga will probably just have a little too much inside. Although they had just had a guy named Jalen Suggs who just got hurt, who's a who's, who's going to be a lottery pick this year. So maybe if Suggs is out, then Baylor. I'm waffling. Well, the um, good news is DraftKings Sportsbook giving all college basketball fans who sign up now a chance to win. I'll say Baylor. Baylor. There you go. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook giving all college basketball fans who sign up now the chance to win hundred dollars when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor, and you get a deposit bonus up to thousand dollars when you use promo code RTRS. DraftKings, a lot of ways to bet. I was just looking at alternate point spread. You can live bet. You can just fucking uh, combine bets, parlays, all that kind of shit. They're the best. Um, safe, reliable, secure. You deposit. I actually use PayPal to deposit. So I, did, I always play with 50. I start with 50 on Blackjack. Um, and then you withdraw it like very quickly. Download the app now. Use promo code RTRS and sign up. Uh, for your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win. That's right. You bet $1 to win $100. Use promo code RTRS to sign up to take advantage of these great offers for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Carl Landry Record Club is a music podcast from the rights to Ricky Sanchez with me, Spike, and our friend Mootlu, Tommy from Down the Shore. On this week's episode, we talked to metal god J.B. Brubaker. 
lead guitar player for August Burns Red. That's a lot of fun. In the coming weeks, we will talk about albums from Butch Walker, Keen, The Hold Steady, Liz Fair, Gem, and talk to John Ross of Wild Pink. Subscribe to the Carl Landry Record Club wherever you get your podcasts or visit us at carlandryrecordclub.com. Well, you know, we only got a little bit of it last year. The reporters can't be, you know, I've gone through it um, from a, a WIP perspective now with football, with like an entire season where reporters aren't allowed really anywhere near the players. They don't go to press conferences. Everything's on Zoom. So this will be the first full NBA season. We got a little bit of the bubble doing it. But uh, so so after the first practice, uh, there was some player availability on Zoom. And, and by the way, here's the problem with Zoom. The problem from a reporter perspective is that it's very difficult to follow up on your question because they can mute you or make you loud and, and they just go on to the next person. So that's just the context of why it's tough. So some quotes. Uh, the first one from Shake Milton says he put on 14 pounds uh, <laughs> of muscle during the break. Now, the Sixers stopped playing in August, uh, right? Or July, I don't even remember. It's uh, November. Do you believe that he put on 14 pounds in a good way? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I totally don't. I believe that his, like, he, maybe, if he got 14 pounds, maybe just like a, like a longer wrist yeah. to put in. You know, you know how those you have? I used to have a kitchen table uh, at my parents' house when, like, you could, like, extend it. And yes. then put the little thing in there. I think yep. that's what he had, like the part of the table that extends a little bit when there's company coming over. Yep. That I think is, I think that's that's get, that's coming onto his wrist. Yeah, that it goes basically from a four table to a six person table or a six to an eight. So he has like right. a go-go gadget arm. A little bit, yeah. That's okay. where I believe it is. This from Doc Rivers was a questionably, in my view, maybe, questionably worded quote. Somebody asked about Ben and Joel. And Kyle Newbeck actually sent me the full context of the quote, but I, I still don't think it really says it. I guarantee you will see more pick and rolls with Ben and Joel in them. So rather than asking you, is that true or false? Was he cleverly wording it to say that those two players will be in pick and rolls? Or was he actually saying that those two players will execute pick and rolls together? Oh, I mean, I think probably some of all of it. I think hmm. for the most part, those are not, you know, pick and roll type players, players. Yeah. to pair them with each other. But I think they'll mix it in. I think sometimes they they did, you know, they did that little like curl pick and roll, the short mm -hmm. roll on like in that, in that like, like sort of basically from five feet away. feet away. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's moving slowly. It's like basically like <laughs> offensive linemen. Um, <laughs> and a uh, so a little bit of that, but um yeah, I think for the most part, it'll be a lot of Seth Curry. It'll be Shake. It'll be Maxi with those guys rolling and, and kicking out and seeing. Be interesting to see Ben and Joel even roll at all. So um, I would love to see some roll. I would love to see some roll. Uh, from Doc Rivers, this is about Shake Milton. I told him I would hold him far more accountable defensively than I did for Jamal or Lou Williams for sure. Shake has that ability in him. Will he be held accountable? Yes. Will yeah. he be a better defender this year than he was last year? Because he was not very good last year. Yeah. Uh, Think so? Yes. I mean, I, I believe in Shake being an average defender. Um, he is long. 
He's not that quick laterally. He's a smart player. He can anticipate better. I think I think there's no reason why he obviously has to get stronger. Hopefully the uh, wrist elongation will help. Um, but I I don't think he's going to be. I don't think as he built you know goes along in his career, he's just always going to be a bad defender. Like that's in a, like the way he's built, his length and intelligence that would be inexcusable. And so I think I, I believe in him be becoming an average defender for sure. Doc on Ben and Joe. The biggest thing seeing them in the gym is their IQs. They're both brilliantly smart basketball players. Do we believe him? Yes, 100%. Brilliantly smart, both of them? Absolutely. Okay. 100 uh, You know, they're I mean, Joel is Joel's 100% uh a brilliant basketball player. You don't get you don't become an anchor of a defense right as a rookie that's played very few years of basketball unless you like really see things. Um, and the way he manipulates uh, into getting foul calls as a as a as a post up center, which people just like kind of don't do anymore. Like mm-hmm. he's he is, and Ben as a as a passer and as a defender, vers- versatility wise, like passing especially is the most like one to one IQ type thing, right? When you talk about like a high IQ player, generally you think of like Marcus Gasol and Jokic and guys who like just see the floor so beautifully, whatever. Um, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Um, next one. I'm gonna. I'll come back to Doc Rivers. I love this one from Ferk. Actually, two quotes from Ferk on Cork Moss. <laughs> I can come off the picks. I can create. I don't want to just be a shooter. <laughs> I believe him. <laughs> I, be- I believe that 100. <laughs> okay. And the next one from Ferk. Um, now I've seen some pictures, and I will preface this was when I saw Ferk pictures during quarantine. It looked like Ferk put on the quarantine 15, is to my eyes. He looked like he had a rounder face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferk on Korkmaz, I got stronger, I got bigger, and then I was working on my shot, of course. I was working on my dribbling stuff. Do you think Ferk is coming back stronger and bigger? No. <laughs> okay, so false. Okay, a couple more doc quotes. I believe that he's dribbling around a lot. Yes, he is dribbling. In his driveway, just right. all over the place. Yeah. Looking cool. Maybe doing it in front of a mirror. Yep, with the Darth uh, the Darth Vader helmet on. He probably sure. still has it. Yeah. Doc Rivers on Ben Simmons. If he takes no shots, I'm fine. If he takes 10 threes, I'm fine. If he gets to the line 15 times, I'm fine. Ben is brilliant enough for me to allow him to play and not get in his way and try to cloud his head up with a bunch of crap. I mean... That's pandering. A little. I mean, I think... It- I, I don't know I don't know the answer right I don't, right. I'm not sitting here having here's how you make Ben Simmons into a takes let's say three threes a game and shoots like 32 mm-hmm. percent on them I don't have there's no like I'm not sitting on the solution here and so I, I have to operate under the assumption that like he just never will he's just never going to shoot regularly space the floor in a way that we want him to. And is that going to put a ceiling on his ability? Absolutely. Um, but I, when a player never does anything in that, it's hard to assume like, well, they're going to eventually do it. We've been, we've been here long enough that I can't assume it. So I don't know what Doc is trying to get. Maybe he's just accepting him as he is. I, I really, I don't know. 
I like that he just threw in there. Hey, if he gets to the line fifteen times, I'm fine. Like, like, that, well, that's that is a thing that he needs to do more. That is a thing. yeah. Like, I'm less focused on that. Yeah. If you're not going to do this, fine. But you got to give me this. Like, that should be a area of improvement for sure. It, it was sort of like, look, if you want to give me a ride to the airport, fine. If you don't want to, fine. If you want to give me a million dollars, fine. Like he just he threw the the fifteen foul shots a game in there, um, and then. Uh, one more um, from Doc. He's still young, so I think Furcon is going to be a very big piece to what we do this year. I don't know what the young thing comes in. I, think, <laughs> I guess I think he's going to grow some. I don't know. I mean, Cork was had a great season last year. He's I love Cork. I love Cork. I love Cork. He's, he he shoots the ball. He has a high release point. He gets it off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs around a little bit. He can create if you know. Attack a pump fake a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's can he has some vision, um, a little crafty finishing and stuff. Not oh, yeah. not zero athleticism. Like there's there's something there's things to build upon more there. He's got that Boris Diaw, even though he's slow Euro feel for the game thing going on. Yeah, you know, like he throws clever passes. He goes behind the back when he shouldn't, but he, yeah, he looks smooth doing it. Like and occasionally there will be a move in there that is just looks very natural for him, even though he doesn't yeah. do it very often. A little, you know, once in a while, he'll throw a Kyle Anderson type thing at you. Um, but, you know, his decision-making apparatus is a little bit faulty. So there was an article in The Athletic. Did you read, uh, shit, I forget the name of the guy that wrote it. It's not a guy that I read normally. It was a, an article in The Athletic on the dysfunction on the Clippers last year. Um, uh, Alyssa yelled it to me this morning as we woke up. Oh, really? She, she just screamed every word and cackled. Well, and then and then Paul George was on the All the Smoke pod, podcast, basically, and um, sounded like he was throwing Doc Rivers under the bus a little bit in, in his quotes. But here's something. So basically, the, the way – then this is things that we had heard before. The way this laid it out is that Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard had one set of rules – and the rest of the team had another set of rules. And the rest of the team, it's, on this particular team, that did not work. Some of the things that Leonard and George um, had. Leonard and George were the only players to have their own personal security guards and trainers. They had power over the team's practice and travel schedule, leading teammates to believe Leonard canceled multiple practices. Leonard was allowed to live in San Diego and commute from there, which, also, which often made him late for team flights. They didn't speak to the media for at least 45 minutes after games concluded under the guise of post-game treatment or workouts. This usually resulted in their teammates speaking with the media first and for longer, essentially becoming the public voices of the team. Teammates also believed that Leonard and George were able to pick and choose when they played. Not only did they sit out games entirely, but also at times they accepted or declined playing time in the moment. And here is the thing that I felt most interesting. Obviously, Doc Rivers, coach of the team last year. Teammates had a level of acceptance for Leonard's preferential treatment as his status as two-time champion and two-times finals MVP and then reigning finals MVP was indisputable. But George's treatment was more of an issue within the locker room, league sources said. George, while a perennial all-star and all-NBA candidate, didn't carry the same cachet with his teammates. There was a sentiment among certain teammates of, what have you accomplished in the playoffs, multiple Mm -hmm. league sources said. And here is why this is interesting to me is that that thing 
that Paul George got away with that pissed off the rest of the players, I feel like in part has been a problem with Ben and Joel over the last few years in guys that get their run, you know, there have been, there's been whispers of Joe playing when he wants to play, uh, you know, Ben doing what he wants to do, doesn't do this thing to help the team, doesn't do any, that to help the team without having earned it. I think it was one of the things that Jimmy didn't like. I, I think it rubs some guys the wrong way. The question is, does Doc Rivers have the energy and cachet to get rid of that? You know what I mean here? Like he obviously, the situation was too big for him in LA probably like all of that was over his head the Kawhi and 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 he probably just gave up to a certain point I guess my question is does is Doc Rivers coming in here and letting those guys know until you earn it like you don't get to do that shit anymore what do you think I mean it's the it's the big question I I don't know what I think I'm just curious what you think well I mean every Every team has like their best players who set the tone, mm-hmm. and it, some of them are very vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And like you know, people point to Dame a lot as the guy that is like he is really the culture in Portland, and like he does a good job, and he you know pulls people aside and says we don't do that here, and like this is what it is. And Miami is talked about as like a Heat culture; you either buy in or you're out kind mm-hmm. of thing. LeBron pretty much set the tone this year in LA and every, and got a bunch of vets around him. And like everybody followed suit basically. Um, and which it's going to be, a, which is interesting okay. by the way, because last year it was a clusterfuck in mm-hmm. LA, you know, and this year it, it, they figured it out. I obviously mm-hmm. the, the weight of the Anthony Davis situation was over the team last year, but I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kyrie forced his way out in Cleveland and then immediately, did a bad job of being like the number one guy and like quickly talked to LeBron about like, well, I guess I was wrong about how, you know, what it's like to be the number one dude or whatever it is. And so I, I, Ben and Joel have not been vocal or even really non-vocal leaders, uh, despite the fact that they have been the clear best players in the team, you know, pretty much over the last uh, four years. Um, And it's going to be on them to just decide. Like, I think if, if they don't want to, if Doc doesn't get buy-in from them, you know, they've only, both of them have only played for one coach. Brett is the coach that they've played for the longest. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Joe bounced around high schools, Ben bounced around high schools a little bit, and then both played one year in college. So they only played for Brett. He's the longest tenure guy. So this is a new voice that both of them are going to be hearing from. It's a voice of a guy that has coached a, a, a ton of Hall of Famers. In Doc Rivers has won a championship, has obviously had a, a bunch of uh, notorious uh, failures in in the playoffs, um, but it's going to be it's got to be a partnership. Like Doc Doc signs this big contract, he comes here, he knows these guys are entering the prime of their careers. Hopefully, a long prime is what we want, but like it it's going to need to be a partnership where Doc needs to get their buy in, and they need to set the tone for everybody else. And I would include Tobias in that as he is more of a vocal leader than, than both of those guys. Um, because th- if they're just not, if Ben and Joel just aren't willing to, you know, work the hardest, show, set the tone, um, commit all the time, you know, be engaged, that kind of thing. Not, not to say to be like a, you know, 
uh, honors student and you can't like, you know, you have to, you have to be like rah, rah guy all the time, but you got to be a leader. You got to really be the leader. It, if, and if they're not willing to do that kind of stuff, then it doesn't matter what doc does. Like he's not going to like penalize them into like, well, now we're trading him because we're choosing doc over Embiid or whatever it is. It's like, as a coach, these guys are the, the guys that you're coaching have a shit ton of money and all the power in the world and a ton of talent. And they think that they, their talent should be able to uh, afford them certain whatever privileges that like friggin' Mike Scott and Cork Maz don't get because they're, you know, replaceable. And so what it just, it's going to take is just like buying in and connecting on a human level and deciding that like, Hey, we think that this team is good enough to make a championship run if you guys set the tone and do what it takes. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I hope doc can say like, Hey, that sucked last year and here's what went wrong. And I don't want to do that this year. I want to, you know, I want to build for something for a long time and all that stuff. Yeah. I think the, the most important thing out of that is, the, the leading by example thing is that like if if being a vocal leader comes second, right? Because the only way you can be a vocal leader is if they buy into what you are and what you're doing, which means you have to care and you have to care more than everybody and work harder than everybody. And at that point, they can't call bullshit on you, right? Like if you prove you want this more than anybody like if you if you really i'm not talking about like being a tryhard but I'm, I'm talking about like you know like really caring i mean like to get 13 other professional athletes who are being paid millions of dollars to care what the fuck you have to say that you have to live it you know you have to be it and i think in their different ways even though they've both had successful seasons and successful careers so so far i think that is you can doubt that and i think uh, to a certain extent the organization um allowed it and like let it fester and i think it made it worse and uh it's very important i hope that there's time like i i hope they have they have done this in time to set them there's not that they're bad guys they're not they're, they're not bad guys joel is a great guy um i don't know much about ben but he, he comes to work he plays all those sorts of things but like to get treated differently than everybody else you got to be different than everybody else and they gotta they gotta earn it i think so i hope i hope doc rivers can be the guy i hope at least to your point it's somebody new that they're like shit new guys here you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't be that way with a new guy. So another thing that Paul George said on that podcast was that they hardly ever practiced. Now, teams don't practice very much during the regular season anyway. They don't practice a lot. But for a vet to say that they didn't ever practice, uh, that is weird. Yeah. And especially, Paul, I think, I think especially in this, a weird like, cat. For sure. Especially in, a, in like a coronavirus season, like... It, 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 if somebody fucks up, they're not in a bubble anymore. If somebody fucks up, like the team is going to not play for a couple weeks. If there, if there becomes mm -hmm. a, like, Hey, this guy tested positive and everybody's got a quarantine. And now all of a sudden we're, we're done the rest of the month. Like you are really, it is, you know, in the bubble it was, we're here, we're stuck with each other. We can, this thing can go one of two ways. We can either like form these lifelong bonds. Like we're in summer camp 
or we can just get fucking tired of everybody and be like, this is over. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, it's a different kind of hard than and this is. And, yeah. and right now, this is like a, you're essentially like looking each other in the eye and being like, all right, I'm not going to fucking get this thing because, you know, my mom or whoever that I live with or whatever it is, like, or myself that I have this uh, condition that is, you know, makes me um, immunocompromised or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um it becomes like a real serious thing. And so I think some teams are going to become a shit show. Wasn't there a, what baseball team was it that there was a big, was it the Marlins. Cleveland? No, I think the Marlins. Was, I think it was, yeah, the Marlins had it also, but I think Cleveland had a couple guys that like fucked yes. around and the other players yes. were like, hey, fuck those guys. Yes. Um, they, I think they they tried to vote to get them uh, like cut basically. Like the, the other yeah. players tried to get rid of them. Yes. Yeah. And so there, there is like a, it, it's it's so such a bizarre circumstances to have a season in, um, but I, you know, extreme circumstances uh, promotes lifelong bonds. <laughs> I, wait, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a very it's a very odd season, but I I hope it works out. Yeah, and I'm glad it's not going to be on television. Yes, just just check the box scores in the paper. That's the only place you can see the box scores. Before we get to the mailbag, a good mailbag, uh, a guy that I call a good mailbag, Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process, he said to me, Spike, why do you call me a mailbag? That doesn't seem like an insult or a compliment. I don't know. Uh, Kasabi, processrealtor.com, processrealtor.com. Homeownership is a man. It's rewarding once you do it. It is scary right? Like you go and you look at this house and maybe it's a couple hundred thousand dollars, a few hundred thousand dollars because houses are going fast now. You have to basically decide that day, do you want to pay off this thing for hundreds of thousands of dollars for 30 years? It's tough. You need somebody you can trust. Adam Kasabi, he's your guy. Now, if you want, uh, look, if you just want to if you work remotely, you want to live at the Delaware beaches, Delaware is where Adam is licensed to sell. Anywhere in Delaware, specializes in Delaware beaches. He can hook you up. Low property taxes, low interest rates now. And when I say the property taxes are lower, the Delaware beach is like $1,000 a year compared to like 15 times that, the Jersey Shore. Um, he's your guy. He's, he's an expert in it, loves it. But also, um, tell Alyssa who John Wall is. Tell her who John Wall is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, uh, but if you're buying a home somewhere else, you're like, well, Kasabi can't help me. That's wrong. Kasabi can help you. He's helped several of our listeners. Call him up or text him, send him an email, whatever. Say, here's where I want to buy a house. What do I do? He will take a look at, at where you're looking. He will find the right person for you. And there you go. So first time home buyer or you're buying a vacation home, whatever it is, uh, Kasabi is your guy. And by the way, the best thing about buying the house down the shore is you rent it out most of the summer and it pays for your mortgage and then you go and you have a vacation place to go to. Um, call them or text them. Go at 302-864-8643, 302-864-8643. I didn't mention as well, if you want to refinance, he's got a guy for that too. And I actually used uh, his guy for that too. That went through. It's all good refinance, paying less money every month. It's great. Or email him, adam at processrealtor.com. That is Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process. All right. Uh, Alyssa apologizes. She has, a, okay. she, has, she has a migraine. She's on drugs. <laughs> so I, I was, it's funny you say that. So I was recording, um, 
Carl Landry Record Club with Moot Lou uh, the other day, and I was giving him some times as to when we could record the next one. And he goes, hey, can we do the night one? They're, they're doing construction uh, outside my house, and I get you know, I get worried that some of the noise is going to get onto the podcast. And I'm just <laughs> like, moot. <laughs> We're far past that, buddy. Far past that. Um, Can I talk about uh, the the guy that the Sixers signed to an Exhibit 10 deal to an uh, invited trainer camp? Uh, oh, Janae. yeah. Len- Lenny Diana? What's his name? Lamine Janae. Uh, Lamine Janae. He's cool. Right. He's cool, man. Uh, yeah. He is a really interesting player um, in, in a bit of a uh, Paul Reed vein, kind of just like he, so he played for Cal State Northridge, um, okay. which is in the Big West, not a, uh, not a dynamic league, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 23 years old. He's from Senegal. Um, but he played at Finley Prep, and he just dominated Where, the league. Where's Finley Prep? Uh, Nevada. Okay. Um, he just, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's in Vegas. Um, he just dominated the league in two, in two years at Cal State Northridge, he averaged like 25 and 11, both years, wow. filled up the box score, steals and blocks. He's like a forward slash center, but undersized. He's pretty, he's six, seven. He's got a long wingspan. He is, uh, he's good in the open court. He runs the floor really well. Um, he does not shoot well. Although his shot has improved, he's got a nice little mid-range that he like. He's got a nice little fadeaway in the post, um, but he's not. Uh, he he upped his three-point attempts, but is still not very successful at them. But he got to the line uh, nine times per game last year and uh, shot sixty-six percent. Um, he's in. He's really interesting. I think. I think he could. I think he's an NBA player. Um, I don't think he is obviously going to dominate at that level, but just as far as like a hustle rebound everything capable of creating for himself a little bit and just like getting messy and doing everything. Uh, I think he will land somewhere eventually. Um, in, uh, his nickname among some segments from, uh, on draft, draft Twitter from a friend of the podcast, Brian Schroeder, uh, and the rest of draft Twitter is, uh, cocaine. Um, because Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. He plays as if he's on, um, he's just, he's doing everything. He's running around. He's going to be a fun guy to watch in training camp and then, uh, hopefully in Delaware. That's exciting. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a different sort of description than the normal guy like that, that we signed. The normal guy that we like that sign is like, he's a guard. Uh, he's pretty good, I guess. Uh, he'll never be able to play at the NBA level. So getting a guy that seems like fun and weird and different is cool too. Yeah. Uh, Lorenzo Brown mailbag writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from John. I was listening to the other O'Connor's podcast when they were discussing free agent signings. When the topic of the Knicks came up, uh, Chris dismissed their transactions as purely extending favors to Kentucky, i.e. Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and New Orleans Noel. Do any of you have any idea what Vernon is talking about there? Why would an NBA team have any incentive to be in the good graces of a university? The teams draft the players, not the other way around. Um, this is pretty gross. I don't know if that happened, but uh, John Calipari is CAA. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, World Wide West uh, is CAA. 
And it was sort of long, like even when World Wide West was in the shadows, there was sort of like a Calipari to World Wide West thing. And now Leon Rose, and and by the way, the Knicks have been tied to CAA for like 15 years, you know? Calipari has too. So, um, and then now Leon Rose running the team who was CAA. So I don't know if that's why they're signing these guys, but there's certainly smoke there. I don't know if there's fire there. That's why. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's pretty good. I don't, and I don't know, like, it's very, it's very bizarre. Like when a, um, when a TV show is, produced or packaged by an agency or a management company, then they will try to staff the show as writers with or actors with clients from that either agency or management company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that, why it's like, well, we want to get our people work and stuff. But there's no, you don't like play other teams, you don't play other writing staffs and show how much worse you are. Right. Everything is subjective in our in our field, where it's like right. even if a show wins a bunch of awards or gets a bunch of uh, uh, ratings, it's still not. It still might suck, or the writer it might be suck for you know whatever. But like you can see that the Knicks are bad and are bad for so long, and they keep going to this well of CAA guys. And I'm not saying that these guys aren't bad. I, like Nerlens is good. It's not like they're signing random guys off the street. But you would think that eventually they would be like, maybe we try something different. But they might just, they must just be making money off of it in some well, shady backroom way. Yeah, I, I think at this point, it, it probably comes from a little bit different perspective in that I would think that this point, the Knicks are hoping that this is their version of, why do I never remember the guys? Oh, of, of like the $20 million KCP deal in LA, right? Like they hope like, this is like, all right, eventually doing this CAA stuff is going to pay off for us. I don't know, but they've been doing it for years. Did I ever tell you I met World Wide West when I was a kid? No, I, don't, so, I really don't know much about this guy. So World, uh, World Wide West started out, uh, he, saw, he worked at a sneaker store, I think in South Jersey, and my dad knew him. And he, all of a sudden, I remember when I was younger, I would see him like, at, at, at like courtside at Sixers games. And I had no idea who he was. When I met Michael Jordan, it was World Wide West that introduced me to Michael Jordan when I was a kid. And this is before he was officially anything. He just fucking knew everybody. And he would be the guy to take care of the players and do this and do that. And he was like this, just sort of like weird undercover agent. But he started working at a sneaker store in South Jersey. My dad knew him back in the day. Um, and then he just, he never talks. He doesn't talk to anybody. There's no, like there was a, there was like a profile on him maybe five years ago. Uh, I don't know if it was Deadspin or SI or whatever it was, but, uh, non-basketball question from John. When attending a live concert, what is your preferred seating area? If you want to optimize the sound experience, assuming it's a typical arena, like the Wells Fargo center, do you prefer to stand on the floor on the side of the stage, completely off across the stage? I personally feel the sound experience is best when you're completely on the other end of the stage, but curious if you have a particular view on this. You, do you have a preferred seating? In the audience, <laughs> in an uh, s- standing towards the back where I'm not squished in. 
My, in an arena, my preferred place to sit would be on the side, uh, not directly to the side of the stage, far enough to the side where I can see, um, but also not far away and maybe 20 rows up. That's not the best sound experience. Honestly, there is no best sound experience in arenas. Arenas fucking suck. If, if you want the best sound experience in arena, on the floor, you'll see where the sound guy is, where the soundboard is, go there. But that's a, a terrible place to watch a show at the back of the floor. Go to theaters and amphitheaters and stuff. Don't go to arena shows. Um, from Xavier, non-basketball question, who is more popular in high school, Spike or Mike? I was wholly unpopular in high school. So my guess is it was you. What was your high school experience like? Middling. Yeah. Uh, just a just a guy. Hmm. I was definitely not popular. Like nerdy medium. Okay. Something. How big was your graduating class? Like five fifty. Okay. So I went to I went to uh, public school until eighth grade when my parents sent me to Episcopal. Well, what's funny is Episcopal is a school that kids go to to try to get into Ivy League schools. They sent me to Episcopal because I was a fuck up and I didn't do my homework, like it was a boarding school or something. So immediately I was just worse at school than every kid there. Um, and I remember my first day, you know, you had to wear a tie, a blazer, all that shit, and a graduating class of 100 kids. Uh, so not hard to get lost, right? You were, you were something, there wasn't really any middling. My first day in eighth grade, I wore a Metallica t-shirt underneath my button down shirt and some kid called me a Satan worshiper. And that lasted the entire eighth grade year. Um, <laughs> and I was and you very, are. what's that? And you are. I, right. There you go. And, uh, I was very fat, um, which didn't lead itself well. I was not a good student. I was not good at sports. I liked arguing about sports and listening to music. So I had like my five friends and, and that was it. <laughs> it was just, uh, it wasn't a nightmare experience because I liked my five friends, but that was about it. It wasn't a great experience. Not great. Um, and it was funny at Episcopal, there's no gym class. You had to play a competitive sport. So mm. I like I fucking played soccer and cross country. I was fat, Mike. I like cross country. These kids would go for like seven mile runs. I would go run off campus and wait in the woods and then come back. You waited in the woods by yourself? Yeah. How was I going to run seven miles? I was just like standing, standing around. Yeah, yes. Or walk around the other way and then walk back. What was I going to do? You know, I couldn't run that. That distance, the longest I ever ran in high school, I think maybe once I ran a mile, maybe I, I couldn't do that. Why was I even in cross country? Anyway, um, I do one or two more here. This is from Dan. Uh, good question. Actually, have either of you guys heard anything on Ben Simmons rehab injury status? I thought that he looked slightly less explosive in the bubble and seemed to struggle extra with finishing around the rim. He's been struggling with back issues for multiple years now, and I haven't heard anyone broach the idea that his recent back knee injury may lower his athletic ceiling and he may be slightly less explosive going forward. Did either of you notice him being less explosive and what do you think about his injuries um, and his mindset moving forward? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's a concern. Back, back stuff is no joke. Um, I don't think I noticed him. It feels like forever since the Sixers played. And he played so briefly, it seemed yeah, like. Yeah. I don't yeah. really recall him looking 
unexplosive. Um, mm-hmm. Did you? No, I, I all all I remember. I remember basically two games from the bubble. I remember the power forward game when he hit the three, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is this? This is awesome." And then I remember the next game when he was normal Ben again, and then then that's all I remember. I don't remember him being less explosive. I do think, look, the two things he's had are back and knee. Not great, right? Like the foot injury probably doesn't matter at this point. It was a broken bone. It healed, whatever. Uh, but the knee stuff and the back stuff is not great. And the, didn't, wouldn't he, didn't he say threw up because his back hurt so bad? Mm-hmm. And back injuries just don't tend to disappear. They they linger. They'll always be there most of the time. So yeah, it's it's especially with a guy who um, relies on athleticism a lot. You know, one of the thing the reason that LeBron's been he able threw, to wait, he threw up from the from the back injury and then played. I think right. No, it was. I think it was when he came back and then he re-injured it that he yeah. threw up. And that yeah. was just a total coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different back. Uh, Total different back. It was his other back. His other back. Yeah, it's. It's certainly as a guy that, you know, LeBron's been able to stay so great in part because he's rarely been injured at all. He's had like a really healthy career. So players that, you know, rely on athleticism offensively like that, especially earlier in your career, early in LeBron's career is important. Um, Non-basketball question. This is actually a basketball question, but if you could put your own brain in any current or former sixer, with the hope of improving their basketball abilities, who would you choose? And alternatively, if you had to choose one sixer to enter your own body and record two pods a week, who do you think would be the best choice of past or former sixers? Okay. So you're saying the question is my brain in a basketball in a current player. sixers body and skill set. Yeah, he says former or current. I Let's maybe just, just current. current, yeah. Uh, I feel like you have to be so confident to be an NBA player, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I wouldn't want to do that to anybody. Yeah, um, I'd miss one time and get booed and be like, "I'm gonna lay down. I'm out. I'm lay down on the bench." Yeah. Um, my brain. I feel like I. Uh. Uh. Who's on the team again? Uh. Like. My my brain. Okay, here's what I'll say. My brain on on Justin Anderson's body. I'll take that. That just seems that, like it would be Justin Anderson. No, because I would I I would know what I can't do. More okay, of, and okay. I would see the floor a little bit better. Look, honestly, there's literally no sixer that would be better with my brain in their head. I just if we were last year, I could say Norvell Pell maybe. Sure. I'd, you know, just if just stop fouling, just stop it, just stop doing that. But that's hard too. So, um, and he would be significantly less charming and fun-loving. Everybody loves that guy. Half the people hate me. So, yeah, uh, your brain is already in Marielle Shayak's body. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And alternatively, what sixer to enter your own body and record two pods a week? Who's the best one? <laughs> uh, Matisse is an obvious answer. I yeah. don't know that he he's a little too nice. To do this side of the podcast, um, Joel. Yeah, I mean, Joel would be great. Mike Scott was great already. Mike Scott would be great, um, but two a week. Look, and and my job is the like the preparer guy. Mm-hmm. 
it's got to be Tobias Harris. Yeah, he's consistent. Yeah. Um, and uh, do we need one more? Uh, I, did I ever ask you this? This is from Paul. Uh, if you could pick one TV show that is no longer airing. Oh, I think I did this. Yeah, I think we did this. Then that's it. I don't have any more. We're done. Ending on a hit. Well, okay. From Guy, non-basketball. What languages would you like to learn and why? In the spirit of being pro-ranked choice, what is your top three languages you would like to learn to mm. know? I speak a little Spanish, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm great at it. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to know French and I uh, would be terrible at it. Um, I don't know. I'm I, I th- part of me being a writer is like just having a control of it. And so I, I feel like in any other language I have, I have like no mm-hmm. creativity, you know, I would just be just so rudimentary. But it'd be nice to know French. That'd be cool. Uh, number one would be Japanese for me. Sure. I don't know why it just seems like it would be fucking cool to be able to speak Japanese. Number two is uh, Papiamento, I think it's called. It's the language that they speak in Aruba, and it's like part Dutch and part Spanish. It's weird language. It it sounds cool. Uh, and three, Spanish. It just seems like it would be helpful of, of all the languages. Speaking Spanish would be the most helpful. What would Dario's home, home language be? Um, what it is, I don't know what it is. I'm asking you so I don't have to guess and be ignorant. But that uh, one. like I don't know if Cro like I don't know if Croatian is the language. I don't We're think not it very is. Smart. Yeah. And there's no way to look it up. And neither yep. can you. Yep. Uh and a funny learning language story. When I did go to Episcopal in eighth grade, they they make you take two years of Latin in Episcopal, which is sure. just the fucking most ridiculous thing, the most snooty, like mainline school bullshit to learn it's Latin. A very private school thing to do. Yeah. Sure. My yeah. language is the NBA draft, and I study it every year <laughs> and I learn it very well. Okay. So I get there in eighth grade, and the rest of the kids start taking it in seventh grade. So they put me, the new kid, in a class with a bunch of seventh graders. I was so bad at it, they told me I didn't have to take a second year. So I win. Gaming the system. Yep. We'll be back this weekend. Um, I don't have anything else. Do you have any messages for people? Everybody stay safe. It's really scary out there. Over 2,000 people are dying a day. Don't get this thing. Hospitals are filling up. Everybody stay home. Stay the fuck home. And if you have to go out, please take the proper precautions. Um, That's it. Talk to you this weekend. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a plan B.